Cabin Artists presents The Stephen James Wiley Show Hey, welcome to the show I'm just out on the trail here, it's beautiful um, today, my guest is Teresa Wyckoff, and I'm excited to have her on. She's a writer, producer, director, actor, and uh, more than any of those things, she's a stand-up comic along with her husband, and they have uh, traveled the world, had many adventures. Uh, I've known Teresa, I met her 25 years ago, and uh, in a religious school that you'll hear a lot about in our interview um so yeah so that's what's going on today i appreciate you listening to my show it means a lot thank you and i hope you enjoy this episode teresa wyckoff how are you today i am doing great it's a saturday morning i haven't done any work today things are awesome <laughs> perfect i just had a chicken sandwich and watched my favorite youtube show <laughs> what is your favorite youtube show uh, Kara and Nate, they're like this couple that travels. I started watching them during the pandemic. Um, and because we had finished the year before we had done this Peru hike with my husband's family, his kids. And so they were, I was looking for, uh, a video about someone hiking in, uh, Everest, not doing the like Everest, but like the base camp hike. And yeah. I found them. And uh, started watching them, and then the pandemic happened, and they travel. They're like a young couple from like Nashville that that travel around the world, and they started out like really naive, and now like <laughs> have like millions of followers. So wow, that's rad. I, I watch them every weekend. <laughs> <laughs> They're my big celebrities. If I run into them, I'll be very excited. <laughs> Sweet. Well. I appreciate you being on the show, and um, I wanted to kind of jump off, because we've known each other for 25 years, but we haven't hung out much in the last 25 years, because we hung out for one year in a very special situation, and I thought I would kind of start there with, uh, we met in a school, a, a religious school, a one-year discipleship school. Would you like to to elaborate on how you got there and and what that was from your point of yeah. view? Yeah, so uh, I graduated from high school and in the Pacific Northwest where you live as well in Spokane and I was in Oregon and uh, I didn't think I could go to college mainly because I barely graduated high school, um, but also because I didn't think I would be able to financially. I was very poor basically. And I just didn't think, I didn't understand how grants work, things like that. So I just didn't think I could go. So I was pretty aimless and I was like working in fast food and like wanting to like have this big, awesome life, but wasn't sure how to get there and, uh, loved the arts and stuff like that. And so at my church, a group came from this school. Can we say what the name is? We can, can't we? Like, does it yeah, matter? Yeah, absolutely. Or I think okay. a part of me just doesn't like saying it. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I totally get it. It will not be named. <clears throat> I was looking at my wedding ring actually because I just got it redone uh, like 
cleaned and I realized it reminds me a lot of our master's commission ring and it kind of made me <laughs> nauseous, but, um, uh, yeah. So master's commission was the name of it. And they had a group yes. that came and this is how they lured people into it. It was a group of young, cool, like, like, uh, early twenties. And they came to our church and did like music and dance and like drama stuff and theater. And it was super cool. And we got to hang out with all of them. I was like 18 ish, maybe 19. And they convinced me that I needed to join this program and I get to travel all over the world, at least in America, but probably the world and do arts and stuff. And that could lead to this awesome career of doing the arts in like churches and things like that. So that's how I got lured into it. And the funny thing is, is my best friend at the time, and he's still a good friend of mine now. Uh, his name is Jake. Him and I applied at the same time and we hoped to both go and he was declined and I was allowed to go. And so he was a little bit bitter about that, but uh, I think he was pretty happy after he saw what I went through. <laughs> Dodged he got was rejected. Yeah. He talked to uh, the leader at the time, Mr. Uh, Mr. George. And I think they realized he was too much of a free thinker that he had too many opinions. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, this Sounds guy right. will, be horrible for our cult so anyway it was a it was a group it was a school i raised the money i worked really hard and i got people from my church to give me money to go to this program and i don't know if i've told you the story steve but i know you grew up there you're like from there but i had to drive from portland and i didn't remember the address i forgot to bring the thing with me that had the address and i left really late so I had a Datsun and I drove a hundred miles an hour to get there in time. Like I calculated it wow. and then I couldn't, I didn't have the address. So I had been there one time. So I had to go by memory and I found it and I got there like just at the last second I slid in. Is so. it is before I'm, I'm trying to remember what before orientation or didn't we do something before like, the sun there was something before the sunday where we started like officially started yeah. right yeah it was like a thing where we come and we like check in and pay give them all their money and yes i think find out where we're gonna stay and then we all like hung out for a little bit like yes this is before we had all the rules and we're like this is gonna be fun everyone's so cool <laughs> like how many of us were there do you remember like 20 or something or 30 art our class had 24 or 25. I'm trying to, I always think of when we counted off. One, two, three, yeah. four, five. Um, yeah, we were a bigger class for the, I mean, yeah, it sounds I super small that. to anyone who doesn't know. Um, yeah. So, but when you're brainwashing people, it helps to have a smaller group. <laughs> <laughs> it's ideal. If it's you're... <laughs> ideal. You want under 30 for that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So you have no clue what you've signed up for. Um, I Zero knew. clue. Yeah. So what was that like knowing? Because like I had no idea. I thought this was going to be fun. I didn't know about all the rules, <laughs> at least not most of them. See, what about th you? This intrigues. This is probably the most intriguing thing as I've thought about this conversation is um, I knew and I didn't want to be there at all. Um. Oh, this, really? No, God, no. <laughs> this was something I had to do because this was what we did in the church. I mean, you have to realize I was born into this church. And to be perfectly fair, it wasn't always like it was 
that you just like walked cold turkey into. Yeah. Um, it was very much the frogs in the slowly heating water type deal. Um, mm. Where, and I think, uh, truthfully, that's why somebody from my experience versus somebody who had your experience, it's two very different uh, reflections because because mm -hmm. um, I saw tons of good stuff um, oh. outside of outside of the bad. Um, well, like, there was good stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it it was just a normal church, to be honest with you, until. Um, and then they started this school thing. And even then, when it started, it was really low key. It was, you know, it wasn't anything like what we went through. It really? gradually got more intense, more intense, more. And, and honestly, you know, and I'm not here to, to shit on people's names, but the people who were running it when we were there uh, in our year and who ran it for the bulk of the time it was much very much a reflection of kind of their their way mm. their whatever yeah. whatever their their style right and mm -hmm. so for me going in that day orientation day um it was somewhat fear and loathing um because <laughs> i knew the leaders of that place didn't mm. really like me um really you knew that like from the get go like you were uh, oh yeah yeah cuz i would always i would get in trouble a lot um were there other I, people from the church that didn't get accepted? Like, I know that they were like picky. They sounded like yeah. from all, yeah. but like from your church, did there are people that apply that were like, no, sorry. Yeah. They're, they basically like shipped. Cause remember there was other master's commissions that were connected oh, to ours. That's right. That's right. Um, and there was other master's commissions in the country that had zero affiliation. We actually took the name from a different, school that had the same name in phoenix arizona that was yeah which is also more... I... go ahead i was gonna say i've heard it was like easier like not wasn't as bad but it's still pretty bad like <laughs> yeah i heard it was heard. Way i could be wrong compared to what we experienced it was like third grader stuff like we were hardcore teresa um <laughs> and they were not living up to god's standard so <laughs> they were uh, not not according to us they wouldn't have been <laughs> we had very high standards <laughs> See, like impossible uh, standards you might say so yeah. yeah so when when i joined that day i didn't want to be there i wasn't excited about it and so it's interesting you know actually it makes me feel sadder when i hear you know that you were like coming from a place <laughs> of hey this is going to be hopeful and good and hooray yeah, I had um, hope. I still had hope. <laughs> You're like, she paid to do, like, she, like, moved here to do this. You drove 100 miles an hour to get to what would be one of the most scarring years. <laughs> of my entire life. <laughs> of my entire life. So, I mean, and it, it's so hard to talk about this, like, here, somebody's listening. They're like, okay, whatever. Don't know. It was a Christian school for young adults to s devote a year of their life to uh, becoming awesome servants of God. Um, and it's very in similar in a lot of ways to the missions that Mormons go on when they graduate <clears throat> yeah. high school or whatever. 
Um, I feel like there's a lot of similarities, different in some ways, but um, it's Seems more like, like have more fun. outward. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't, no, I don't, I don't that. either. I might be projecting out of hope. <laughs> You're like, they get to go to a cool country. They get to, <laughs> do you get to learn another language most of the time, which is helpful in their like future life careers, I'm sure. But um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. So like for you, if you would have been rejected, it's not like you wouldn't have had to go. You just would have had to go to like Kirkland or one of the other affiliate master's commissions. Yeah, I remember friends who who were my same age ended up in Puyallup and uh, maybe Kirkland. Although I remember our church didn't totally like Kirkland because they were, quite frankly, they were cooler and having a lot more fun. They were um, cooler and they were having more fun. They were way cooler. Oh, absolutely. My friend Gus, who was he's my first uh, guest on this show, Justin Sabastinus, he was over there. And he never yeah. knew he he was never a part of our church at all, and he was he had. I remember going and hanging out, and they were listening to Ben Harper, and I was like, <gasps> "Oh my Secular god!" Music? No. Yes. <laughs> but we <laughs> burned all like, of ours in an incinerator. I, Why? <laughs> I burned my Christian music. That's how hardcore we were. <laughs> Me too. Did you? Uh, oh yeah, totally. I mean, I didn't. I didn't take any of my non-Christian music with me. Like I didn't bring my Nirvana and all those things. Um, Smart. I didn't know. I mean, I just was like, I kind of knew like, I'll have to be like extra religious, but like I had a <laughs> bunch of like, you know, early nineties Christian music that I got rid of and some yeah. cool records <laughs> like, that I burned. Like <sighs> Keith Green record. That's um, good stuff. Music. I know like old, like old style seventies Christian music and yeah, but it was spirit of the age. It was cool. It was too cool. See, spirit I had to, like, of the incinerate. age. Do you remember that? Uh, soda. Do you remember I... how Bernie man started when we were in master's commission and they were talking about it as no. like the opposite of what we were doing and how they were worshiping the devil and how, we would pray oh, yeah. for it to not like do well. And well, it's still around, although it seems pretty douchey, but um, <laughs> yeah, that was like full on spirit. of the So I should explain what spirit of the age is, right? Like yes. spirit of the age was anything at the time that seemed too well, rebellious is what they said, like too rebellious, too worldly, but it equaled out to anything that was cool. Anything and fun, cool. anything cool. Like clothes that were cool. Um, I remember up until that point, I mean, it was the 90s. I was wearing, oh, I was the worst. I was wearing full, like, my Levi's and my Birkenstocks and my flannel shirt and my Doc Martens, fake Doc Martens, because I couldn't afford real ones at the time. <laughs> um, to that, Same to here. having to wear dresses. Yeah. Really I ugly mean, dresses. I wasn't allowed to wear flannel shirts because it was too connected to my identity. Ooh. Um, and, and here's the weird thing is we look back on it and see it pretty analytically and objectively. Yeah. Um, and, and I do think we end up projecting evil intent on what ultimately was just really fucking broken stuff. Like, I don't, do you feel, do you look back on the, 
the leaders of, of our thing and think they were people trying to do bad things? Or do you look back and think they were people who were so jacked in their own psychology, hmm. person, individual trip they were on, and we were all the unfortunate recipients of their fucked upness? I would say this is one of my one of the things I would use my favorite saying for is two things can be true at the same time. I think when I look back, I see people who were that it did probably come from a place of wanting initially to do something good, but being broken and not not being mentally in a good place themselves. So what they chose to do was kind of reflected out of that. But at the same time, I don't think that means it was any less evil. <laughs> like, I think some things that were happened were evil and bad, yeah. but I think that the reason why they chose those things is because they were broken and it was the easiest way to get what they think that they needed or wanted. Um, but I don't think that makes it less evil. And yeah. I think that maybe there was... Like you could even look at like the worst people in history and say, you know, like, well, Hitler just was like, had a really hard time trying to be an artist and was like destroyed emotionally because of, he grew up with a single mom and couldn't make it an art. And what he did was out of that, um, right. that like place of brokenness, which is true. I'm sure, but it's still super horribly evil. And I think the more you make decisions that are bad, the easier it is to make another bad decision and the easier it is to justify it. So I think- Especially when it seems like it gets rewarded. Yeah, especially when it's rewarded and you think you can justify it. Um, And I think there's a different levels. Like the way that it worked for us, right? There was like the prophet of the church and then there was like the leaders of this school and then under them, there were like the head interns who were like late 20s, early 30s. And then a bunch of 20 somethings interns that like kind of sort of worked there and uh, were in charge up to a certain extent. And then you had all of us. And I think that at each level, they were being pushed down from the level above them. But so I think it, the evil ish part stops, starts kind of at the top levels. I think when you go beyond that, it's more like brainwashing, being naive, doing what you think that you're supposed to do, being told by people, this is what God says you're supposed to do. And so you trust them and believe them. So I don't look at like the interns and say they were evil. Um, And I don't even look at the leaders of that and say they were evil people, but they did evil things. Maybe that's what I'll say. Yeah. That's my soapbox. (laughs) (laughs) so at what point in the year did you think oh shit it made a horrible mistake this isn't good (laughs) um it took me a little while like there were some moments like at the beginning i was like this is different than i thought it would be like it started to like um like it got it like i still thought like something good is going to come out of this but like this is not <laughs> as fun as I thought it was going to be. Um, <laughs> this is not what I was expecting, but like, I still had high hopes, but there were moments that I would like, okay. I remember one day, um, 
we were ha- so we would have these classes in like a circle, right? Um, for the people who don't know, and it was like yeah. all the tables would be like I guess a big giant square, and yep. we'd be doing talking through things. And I remember one specific day we were talking about some type of belief that um, that that was believed in your church our church, I guess at the time, but church you grew up in and in master's commission that was not held in the belief of the church that I was raised in or went to. And I don't remember what it was. It was something silly, something little, but I remember going home afterwards and like wanting to call my church and be like, I think they're kind of crazy. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I think this is weird. Like, I think this is weird. And it was before anything really horrible came out because, you know, it's like, you don't, join a cult like thinking it's a cult like it's like things slowly like erode but like yeah I remember being on we had like mandatory workout sessions that we had to do and I was like on the treadmill thinking this is kind of crazy maybe they'll (laughs) let me go home if I tell them how crazy it is and at the time I think I was like miserable because I was away from all my friends and family email had just become a thing that's how old we are and I had access sort of yeah. to it, but like I kept getting in trouble for emailing friends, especially because one of my best friends was a boy and oh my gosh, that means I was secretly in love with him and how dare yep. I. Um, but uh, yeah, it was crazy. I remember one time we had to give a talk about this book. Do you remember the spiritual, um, the book on spiritual authority or something that we all had to read? Oh. By Watchman Nee. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't remember the. Do you yes. remember? I remember Watchman Nee. I don't remember the book, but yeah. Yeah, it was a book, but each chapter had a different. Like everyone had to just teach on each chapter. And oh yeah. Mine was about addiction, and I was like, "Well, we can't drink alcohol. We can't smoke. Like we can't do anything that would be addictive." But everyone there was always drinking coffee, and it was like the thing that you could do. And I hate coffee. So I just was like, coffee's kind of addictive. Um, I think my Mormon mother-in-law would love the fact that I was anti-coffee at that point. So I did a whole speech thing as everyone there and all the interns are there with their cups of coffee talking about how coffee is and caffeine is addictive. (laughs) And how, like, if you're addicted to that, it's just like being addicted to anything and you need to like, oh yeah, I, I was not. Um, well, I remember a couple <clears throat> mean looks about that. Like, really? Well, and we were rewarded for being extreme. We so were. You, and you being knew, judgmental. Like, yeah. Yeah, like, that was the thing to do was, hey, did you find a new way to... <laughs> to feel guilty. To make people feel bad about themselves? I mean, that's not how <laughs> we I viewed it. I was so proud. I was so proud. But <laughs> the thing is, is what the key to that is don't make the people who lead it feel guilty. I think it was the key that I didn't, <laughs> I missed. Bingo. <laughs> that was, yeah. that was my mistake. Um, you didn't know the rules of engagement. <laughs> I didn't. I was like, but we're supposed to do judgy. We're supposed to make people feel bad. Um, See, so. do you... Do you coffee's very had, good for you, by the way. What's that? It is. Very I said coffee is very good for you, by the way. It is. I enjoy it immensely. Uh, our it was the first week. I don't remember what day, and I'll never forget it. It's burned in. It's very sad. It's a it's a sad memory. But I remembered because I knew I knew what was happening. I knew what we were all. It's the weirdest thing I, to say out loud. I knew. I watched my friends go through this, like. All of my close friends who I've known and I'm still friends with almost 
pretty much all these guys and gals since I was born, because I was born and going to this small little church. And they were all my friends and they're dear friends still, but I watched them all change. I knew like, this is where you kind of turn into a dick um, for a year. And then you kind of come out of it or you don't. Um, Mm. And, and I remember it was the first week and they're talking about something and a girl who was in our class uh, who I won't name. She was real sweet. She was a firebrand. Um, and she kind of pushed back on some things they said about dress code, like her jeans or something. And, and she was a feisty girl and she started like going at it. Like, you can't say that about me. And they're like, you know, doing what we all did is casting pretty severe judgment based on somebody's clothing or whatever. And, she starts bawling and the whole time I'm sitting across the room thinking, just shut up. Don't you understand? Just shut up and they'll stop beating the crap out of you. (laughs) And she wouldn't, she wouldn't stop fighting back. And I'm like, you're not going to win. They're going to crush you. This is terrible. And then they did. And she like was a smashed mess of a human. And it never has never left my mind. It's one of those many sad experiences. I don't know if you remember that at all. Do you remember that? I do. And I remember multiple moments like that when someone would start to fight back a little bit. There were moments that I would start to push back a little bit. And I remember thinking, this is a mistake. I just need to agree. (laughs) Like pretty quickly. I didn't make it too far. Like I wasn't like I had it didn't have this huge like this is this hill I die on. Like I was definitely um wanting everyone to like me and to make everyone happy. But yeah, it was, it's it was disturbing. Some of the things like people might listen to this and be like, Oh, it was just like a, con- like a conservative Christian, like strict school. Like it was beyond that. Like, no, it, and it's hard to actually tell, which is why I ju- usually don't talk much about it with anyone. Cause it's really hard to actually convey the whole experience and the emotional abuse and things people experienced it's 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 so deeply personal um and uh its effects because of the age you're at are so long lasting um that uh, i don't feel like people even have the capacity or ability to have understanding or empathy for uh anybody who went through it um and that goes for a lot of different things like it not just our little unique experience there's yeah you no, know. it's true. I mean, I think when I've tried to tell people about it, like from stage, when I've done, you know, stuff about it and yeah. or like, I like as a shock, like, oh, I was in a cult. Like, that's always a fun conversation starter. Um, <laughs> but like, I think like when you tell people some of the things that would happen, like my favorite was how we were uh, categorized from around the bus when we were on our summer tour. And oh, yeah. we were categorized by like fire starters, which I'm pretty sure you were in that category. Oh, you correctly. better believe I was. Yeah, you were. You were up there. <laughs> and then there was those of us in the middle that were like the lukewarm, which is like supposedly even worse. Like that's like M- middle of the, the road. Yep. Other, then the worst group, which was like the fire from God, the colds. They were cold. The bus so there was cleaners. A, yes, they had to. They had to do all the worst of the worst things. They were ostracized and yeah. we were allowed, I think, to talk to them to hopefully bring them up to our level. 
but we yeah. weren't allowed to talk to the fire starters like the the on fire for jesus because they didn't want us to bring you down to our sad level and then they decided <laughs> where we were at and it was always about getting this breakthrough this like weird breakthrough of somewhere Mystical. in the future that if we got through this breakthrough then we would be in that cool group um yeah Did that, happen that for was you? no i never made it not only that but Steve, do you remember how like every week you had all these things you had to do, like memorize a certain amount of verses, you had yeah. to like do all this, like work at home, all of these things. And then if you missed anything, if you didn't do it, then you'd have to go on probation. I don't know how many weeks of probation you were on, but I was on probation none. the entire year. None? You none? You had no probation? Never. All-star. Fire starter. Wow, no. You were so good. <laughs> I was I was not. I was I never there was never one week I wasn't on probation, even to the end when we were graduating. Um yeah, which meant I wasn't allowed to watch movies or TV. God. I wasn't allowed to do anything fun. So like we were allowed to do an outreach. So I would outreach by going to Starbucks and hanging out with another person um, that was Smart. also on probation. And we would like maybe talk to someone. <laughs> but like I, I wasn't allowed to do anything fun at all. But thankfully, halfway through the year, the family I was living with, they left the church and ended up having support groups about the church at the house where I was living. No and way. And we were supposed to report on them. But like, it was bad. But the good thing is, is they were like, F it. So like me, me not being able to do anything fun. They were like, do whatever you want. Like, I mean, I still had to do my chores. But wow. like, um, but then I also would feel too guilty. So I'd watch a movie with them and I'd feel too guilty. Oh, actually one time before they left the church, I think that the, they knew the pastors knew that they were going to be leaving the church or something. Um, so they were trying to like befriend them and so they all came over for a movie night. And because I liked movies so much, they asked me to recommend a movie for everyone to watch. <laughs> and I hadn't been watching movies for a while, but the year before we went into our seclusion, I had watched uh, The Fifth Element and thought it was great. I forgot she was like naked throughout half the thing and oh, God. all of that stuff. So I recommended that they get The Fifth Element. So they did. And I got in trouble. <laughs> From the oh, pastors God. and from them afterwards for this evil <laughs> movie. Like, I don't know. I should have recommended, like, Sense and Sensibility or something. But um, oh, God. Yeah, Anna Green Gables. Anna Green Gables. I don't know. But, yeah, I was I was a bad one. I was bad. So you never... the rules. You never had... Because here's the thing. And, and just... And, and I'm not proud of this in as much as I just figured out how to survive. I knew what was going to happen. And my whole goal was I just have to win at this, even though it sucks. And I'm going to look like an idiot. And I'm going to wear clothes that I think are stupid. And I'm going to sing songs that suck ass. And I'm going to look like a complete douche in front of the whole freaking United States on a bus tour where we dressed like Mormons, worse than Mormons. And you know what, Steve Wiley? You're going to go do it and you're going to do it better than everybody else. And you're going to get the hell out of this thing. And that was my, that's, that's why I was a fire starter. Cause I was like, and I remembered thinking for people who pushed back, like, you don't, don't, don't do this. Like I remember, and I didn't know that you, cause I remember I had a, a quote breakthrough moment and 
You don't know why it happened. You didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. Nothing changed. They just decided it changed and manufactured a thing. And, and they went after me and like, I, I was on our summer trip. I was in Florida and they were like, you got to figure it out. And I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing wrong. Everything's going <laughs> just fine. This is bullshit. Dude, and exactly then I went, the same thing I was doing before. <laughs> yes. And then I remember I like went and sat alone and I was like, God, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but please help us get better. And that day, magically, I was suddenly, and I was the leader of the week for like three weeks in a row. I was in charge of the whole class. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know what I did, but whatever. You were a superstar. I was not. I was a rebel. I was a little older than a lot of the people. I think there was one person older than me, but I was kind of older at the yeah. 21, I think. Well, you had yeah. some individual individuality to you because I was homogenized <laughs> into this. I just knew I have to survive and win mm -hmm. and not get, you know, you remember when, when in a, we had a, one of our threshing floors where, where me and a couple other guys were told we had the spirit of Jim Carrey. Like <laughs> you've like told a me that recently and I really wish I remembered it. I oh. think I was always like in a state of fear <laughs> during the threshing floors. Oh God. So I don't know if like, I remember too much of what was happening to other people. Although I remember a couple things, but that one's pretty awesome. Like the spirit it, of Jim Carrey. You must've been proud. That's one you don't forget. I, yeah, it's something. It's something. I love Jim Carrey to this day to whatever degree, but you're like, um, how did you know? Yeah. How did you know he was embodying me? <laughs> uh, but you, you know, ever meet him but... someday. I was accused of having your spirit. <laughs> He would love that, I'm sure. <laughs> he would probably enjoy it. I feel like, so, to, exp to I don't know if people would know what a threshing floor is. Yes. It's so funny. So, like, a threshing floor, they take it from the Bible where, like, they would put the wheat and then they would, like, crush it all up to get the good stuff out and separate the bad from the good. And so our that would symbolize what we would do where we would basically destroy each other and um that was supposed to make us all better and it wasn't amazing. even just the leaders that would be like pointing stuff out like i remember other individuals like in our class yeah in our class that would call like i like this person i saw them do this like it was very much like a you would get points for tattling on someone else and i remember we that would... happened to me in louisiana or something and oh god we I cannibalized each other oh, just destroyed and it's brutal to think about. No, it was willful personal destruction of one another to survive. It was like being thrown in a pit mm -hmm. and them saying, now everybody fight. And if you don't kick somebody's ass, you're, you lose. Yeah. Um, that psychologically, totally spiritually, in hindsight, that... You remember, like, they prepped us. It was like an event. The first threshing floor. This is a fascinating. Dun, dun, dun. Remember, they were like, we're having our first threshing floor this week. Please make a list of essentially grievances you have toward anyone or anything or the class or and come in guns blazing. And not even like, make sure you're loving. Make sure we're all kind to each other and building each other no. up. No, just. Come on in and let's go to war, baby. <laughs> I mean, isn't that a trip to think about? Yeah, I really and then do we did it. think it was a great study in groupthink 
of like, if everyone else is doing it, then it has to be okay. Yeah. I think that the whole, that whole world is that we were in. Like, I remember there was this time where there was one individual um, who they thought was a lesbian or had those tendencies because they wore like more, I wouldn't even say manly clothes, but like yeah. more like jeans and things like that. And the world that they came from was more like, these are the kind of clothes that I wear here. <clears throat> and they made them, they locked them in a room every day they would come in, they would be locked in the attic room where they would search for a place of repentance and I think it was all implied what, what they were repenting for, although who knows what it really, what they were really telling the individual. Um, but like for like a long time, like, I think it was like a week or something, at least every single day, all day long, they would be like locked up there. It's, it's not fun to recall that. We don't have to go prick. Y'all had to go pray outside the door, I remember, in, like, rotations. You had to pray outside the door? Yeah, didn't you? Or maybe it was just the girls or something. Like, I remember there was a rotation of people that would go and pray outside the door for that person. I bet it was girls. Guys didn't pray girls. girls. We didn't do that kind of thing. No, no, of course not. You couldn't pray with (laughs) girls. You couldn't sit in the same car with girls. It was... It's interesting. So for you coming at you know reflecting because all we we have the experiences we have in life and Mm -hmm. and then you know it's like hey what happened to you well i had to go fight in world war ii and then you that's a big it's a mark on your life that shapes who you are um Mm -hmm. and this for for me for you it was one year of life for others it was and for me it was probably more than that because i was in it in other ways, but, but for others who went back and became interns, it was many, many years of their life in Mm -hmm. that culture, in that, in that environment. Um, as you look back, do you find, um, like a place where you're like, well, that happened and here's the good things I've pulled out of it, whether it's, Hey, I know how to observe cults or, (laughs) or, or, you know, I, I'm a big believer in like, you got to f- find useful things out of every situation. Um, cause I, I experienced a lot of bitterness and resentment from it for it within myself for many years that didn't do anything other than hurt me. How did you walk out of that? Just curious in whatever degree. No, like that's a really good question. That's a really good question. Um, I would, I would hope that it made me a little bit more empathetic. Um, I know that it made one thing that was interesting and, and it doesn't seem like it's prevalent as much in the Christian world as it used to be, but like the church that I grew up in, the different churches I grew up in and the church that I was going to, uh, before and after master's commission, there was an encouragement to be critic to be critical thinkers, to think critically, to like, um, not trust everything that someone tells you, but to like research it and look into it. And I think for that year, when I was a master's commission, it was, I saw that that was discouraged. <laughs> um, Big time. Critical thinking, it was very much discouraged. Um, so then when I went back and it was hard for, I think that's why like 
a lot of the people from my church were like, there's something wrong with you. Not only are you better than everyone else in your own mind, and you're always telling everyone else, like how much they need to repent for things that they, that are not bad things. But I think part of it was like me, will my willingness to just like accept things for like what someone tells me versus how I used to be. And I think that now because of that, I really like enjoy being able to like, research my own opinions more yeah. so, like I think there's like a <clears throat> I can embrace that and I think comedy comes out of it too like I've used a lot of it and in my comedy um I think it's you can look at it as like this thing that happened to you that was really horrible but some really funny things happened too and it's just uh yeah it like I feel like life is all the stories, right? Like life is like you look back someday when you can't do anything else and you just remember the stories. Um, and that's a good yeah. story. I mean, like it was, it sucked at the time. I'm sure it's destroyed a lot of parts of my psyche that I still am like coming back from <laughs> like my, just like my d deep need to like be a people pleaser is probably cause that, but it's also, it was a good story. Like it's for a good story. <laughs> I mean, how many people can say that they were in a cult? Like, not not enough. I feel like everyone needs a good cult moment in their life. They do well, and for me, because I'm I'm pretty analytical. Mm -hmm. I reflect on it a lot, and then I look around, and I actually do this more now, I think, than I have at any point in my life. And I think, okay, um, I I had these experiences, and I'm very familiar with this flavor this this vibe and mm. then all of a sudden i look at everything and i think you know i'm still in some cults um oh that's and, interesting and apple apple's kind of a cult it's a cult microsoft is a cult really um it, your job can end up being cuz there's a way you speak there's a way you don't speak there's things you're into. There's things you're not really supposed to be into. It might be unspoken, but you just kind of know. Politics, mm. big time cults, both sides, mm. like culty mm. as hell. Like to the point where our elected officials don't speak to each other if they're not in the same party. I'm like, that's weird. You, you know? know, it didn't used to be like that either. It like, did. I remember the, one of the times, I've been to DC a lot. I just love that town. And I remember one time I went and I was there for the inauguration of George W. Mm -hmm. George W. And w. Um, I was there for the confirmation hearings afterwards. And it was really cool to watch and see the difference between what was happening versus what was being reported. Even at the time, I was like, oh, wow, they don't always report things correctly. Um, but one thing that really stood out was how friendly both sides like they would you know do their political whatever but then afterwards they were all hanging out and talking and laughing and like yeah. maybe it's maybe it is still like that and we just don't see it but i don't think it's so not. like they were like literally elbowing each other and fighting and stuff i think yeah, it, politics is like the biggest cult it, but it in has the definition become... of a cult is like being controlled by someone like there's the cult as far as like you said with Apple, where you feel like you have to buy all the Apple things and have all the Apple. And if you don't, it's like Androids are evil. Like, you know, there's that. <laughs> yeah. But then there's this political spectrum where whatever that my party says is right. 
and whatever that party says is wrong and it's black and it's white and I'm being controlled. And to the point where I could have someone that is being indicted on like, I don't even know how many counts of things. And there's all of this evidence that they're not a good person, rape charges and all these things. But that is the definition of the cult is that even though those things are things that you personally say that you're against you either don't see that it's happening or you justify it or anything that you have to do or say it's a conspiracy to not believe it's real because it's going against because this this is not this is how i'm supposed to think this is he's like yeah yeah. they're the leader of the camp they're they're yeah and it's it's and it's so dogmatic um it's disappointing, but, and, but, I, and, and what I, here's the other side of that is not all cults are bad is one of my thoughts I've had. Like the apple. Wow, cult. That's interesting. Is the apple cult bad? No, but I'm in it. I'm in it and it's okay. And it, it's not hurting me. It costs me more money than it, than it needs to, but I, <laughs> but I'm a willful participant in this because cult is just short for culture. And it's a culture around technology products. Yeah. And I am an Apple person and I have an attitude that I don't express verbally often toward people who don't use Apple things. I think, wow, that's a shame. You're lost. Um, and it's condescending and it's dumb, but it's not really hurting anyone. And so I've thought that it, I've almost kind of created like there's tiers of cultic behavior always at work around me and I'm participating. Like I do a lot of stuff in real estate. Real estate is a cult unto itself. Mm. Realtors are in their own like culture that uh, they all know the terms. They know the lingo. They know. Yeah. And it, it is kind of a a nicer way of saying it is it's a bubble Um, or, or a, you know, it's just a, an environment, corporate culture. Um, Mm. But anyhow, it's just something I've kind of been tossing around in my mind because I've just thought, there are varying degrees of cultic behavior and cults, and we should be weary of the ones who do things that end up being harmful to the people involved in them and outside of them. Um, hmm. And po- politics is a very easy target because it's so um, very obvious to me. I feel like both uh, sides of the political spectrum are, are very, they seem to have been hijacked by very extreme voices. Um that everyone doesn't feel like there's any room to have any nuance or to intermingle or have, you know, like you said, free thinking opinions of, Hey, Mm -hmm. I feel this way about that issue, but I'm not sure I feel the same about this that might violate one set of dogma or the other. And I want to be that guy. That's kind of my thing. I, I, I want to intermingle between all of my cults. (laughs) My hope is that, that there's more people getting into that gray window than there yes. were before. And that the, the fringes are getting smaller on the both sides and there's more so. people in the center. I mean, yeah. Like I think one question you have to ask yourself, like, am I in a political cult is how far are you willing to go with someone if they're charged for all these things? Like, Oh yeah. Uh, like, for example, I did vote for Biden this last year, but if Biden was up for rape charges, I don't, uh, 
I can be pretty confident in saying that would be it for me. And honestly, even now with everything that's happening with Palestine and Israel, talk about a two things can be true at the same time situation, a very complex situation uh, oh, in that world is that like, there's a lot of decisions he's making that I am not a fan of. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to get too political, but like, there's, definitely some things he's doing that I'm not a fan of at all. And there was things with student loans that he was doing that I was not a fan of. The fact that I can for myself say, I'm not a fan of that. I know it's wrong. And that would inform what I did in the future. I feel like is a good sign that I'm probably not on that crazy length of the cult. (laughs) Like the fact that, but so I think that's what people like, that's one way to find out like, if yeah. the first thing that comes is a way to justify it, like if, um, yeah, then I think that that's a sign with anything. Like if you yeah. have to defend, because I can imagine, I can think of some of the things that were happening in our very obvious cult. Well, not obvious to us at the time necessarily, not to me anyway, but like looking back, there was some crazy stuff that I should have been like, that's insane what that right. person just did. And I should stand up and say that's insane, but I can't because I'm controlled or because my paradigm of thinking, if, if that's wrong, then what else is wrong? And then if everything else is wrong and then what's, what's even real, which is what happening to me. And I'm sure you at some point, yeah. um, what was that for you? Cause like, for me, I remember like going back home and coming up for like events and weddings and stuff. And every time I came up, like people would talk to me, like I was like a case like I was like in a bad situation, which in fact I was not, but, um, but eventually I went back and I think it was someone's wedding. It was like during that wedding or right after is when things started coming out and Mm. people were like, this is a cult or like, it was like people were doing things wrong and getting in trouble that were in leadership. And I remember kind of at that point hitting that wall of like, well, if this isn't true, than what is true and then having to reevaluate everything I believed. It was a very long phase of my life where I was like, what is even real and what do I really believe? Um, what about you? Like, did you being there and kind of being in it after, but in a different capacity? Yeah. Well, like I s- said, I was kind of, in, I always had a survival mentality cause it was the culture. It was the whole life I knew. So for me to make waves meant it would cost me something. It could cost me all my friends. It could cost me everything. And so I, after our year of, of master's commission, I got away from master's commission as fast as I could. They asked me to intern. I said, no, um, I did stuff with our youth group and with music and immediately became, uh, kind of enemy number one for the people in the master's commission. They, they hated my guts from that day on. So that helped. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so I was kind of immediately within a month or two, I was a, a kind of a black sheep in the community. Um, even though I was doing stuff at higher levels in the church, because my parents were like strong supporters of the church. My mom did a lot of the worship stuff and I grew up in the homes of all the pastors and stuff because all their kids were my friends. And mm-hmm. so they couldn't like ostracize me. But in the master's commission school itself, I was disparaged. And most of my friends there weren't 
after a certain point weren't even allowed to really hang out with me. So, what? so that helped kind of establish my, my kind of, well, I'm going to go do what I'm going to do. And then it, for me, it wasn't as, I remember when the MC, the master commission thing blew up uh, and I think it was mm-hmm. 2000. It was the year 2000, the, the year song. 2000. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that it was that fall or that late summer. And then I remember mm-hmm. like, it was like, yeah, all the things I've been thinking for years were true. Okay. This, so many things make sense. I was right. My gut was right. Just anyone listening to this ever, your gut is right. Whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you can't explain why you feel what you feel, it's right. And I felt, you know, I'm sure you did too, Teresa. Like this gut feeling, like this isn't good. This isn't the right way to be maybe. Um, and then the dominoes all fall at one time and you're like, yes. Okay. Wow. And I'm young and stupid and I don't know any better and, and I'm just trying to navigate life. So it was a slow transition for me of slowly walking away from that world. Um, and then, uh, you know, literally just kind of a, it, it, as slowly as it all, I don't know. It, it wasn't like a big, um, I just, I, my natural bent was to not really go along with any kind of tribal way of being anyway. So that helped. I think you're mm. kind of wired that way, it, it, you know, passionate individual. And, and uh, so, yeah, that was kind of, it was a slow fade, but easy, easier than I think for others. When things, when it did kind of blow up, were there things about it that were shocking to you or was this kind of like, okay, I knew this would happen eventually um, was any of it surprising to you? Um, the thing that was most surprising to me was that I was right. Oh, that's, no way. That's what hit me. I'm, I'll never forget. My buddy called me. He's like, dude, this is what's going down. And I was like, we were right. This was wrong. This whole time we were this right. Ro- I mean, going back to high school, we used to get in trouble all the time because we would be like, this is dumb. We'd make fun of all the people going into master's commission, going in and becoming these robots. And we'd be like, they're stupid. This is stupid. And then we went and did it. And, and the whole time just thinking, this is no. And then, yep, we were right the whole time. Listen to yourself, kids, everybody out there, listen to yourself. So it was, yeah, that was my big thing was, okay, I'm going to listen to my gut better. And did you think it ended there? Like, I remember the master's commission blew up a long time before the church did like for you, was that kind of where it ended and, and you felt, or even still feel like it was just that thing that was bad. Or did you see in the whole um, church as a whole? Yeah, it was, it was kind of like the petals started falling off the, the, the flower, mm-hmm. you know, that was, that everyone thought was there. Um, and so that was the the beginning of the end. I think it was all, it didn't last much more than two or three years. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I just became less and less. I remember there was, I can't remember what the, uh, there was a circumstance. Uh, it was actually before it blew up where I was like, yeah, I'm done. I'm done doing worship things with music. Cause I'm mm. a music person. And, and I just, slow it was just all these interesting kind of subtle decisions where they were like why are you doing that i'm like i'm just done i don't want to do this anymore this, i don't 
you're making me feel like shit and I don't want to feel that way. So I'm, you know, not always totally knowing why, but I started listening to my gut. And so that was for me. I, I, and, and I think everyone had a, their own version of that where they became disenchanted with everything and family started leaving and, and suddenly the, you know, people's bullshit meters started working better. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the whole, when you find one thing out is not as a lie. It's like, it's easier to start looking for other lies, I think. Yeah. But like yeah. for you, when it like start, where were you in, 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 cause you went, you courted, right? Like before you got married, the whole courtship thing. No, not really. Really? You didn't? Um, no, because at that point, it, it, the whole um, kind of tyranny of how that should work was crumbling. And I flat oh, out just said, post that. I just said, I'm not doing this the way you guys are saying to do it. So, um, so my wife and I, we didn't really even court that long. I think it was like two or three months. And then I asked her to marry me because wow. I, I kind of knew like I wanted to marry her for years. And I actually, I, I wasn't allowed to, uh, they blatantly told her to stay away from me Shut um, up. back, you know, back when things were more intense. Yeah. Wow. So, so for you, it's like very much like you, you pushed through and it like very much changed your life that that all exploded. <laughs> <laughs> it was helpful. <laughs> <laughs> and how long have you been married now? 21 years. Wow, 21 years. That's yeah. awesome. And Pretty for sweet. you, because I know you left to Nashville, like kind of in the in the, the 2000s, the early-ish 2000s. Was that an interesting time being out of that whole bubble? Because like you said, that was like your whole world. Well, actually, I, I came out of that and I did a bunch of stuff in real estate in Spokane. So I didn't move to Nashville till 2010. Oh, okay. Um, so I, I went and did a whole bunch of things. I just kind of, me and a friend of mine who was in the same church with all of us, uh, he and I started a company together doing real estate development and building houses and platting dirt. And we did uh, renovated old buildings in downtown Spokane. Um, and then we got uh, our asses kicked really hard in 2008 when everything went badly. Um, and then that was the catalyst that Morgan and I were like, let's, let's go to Nashville. Let's, let's uh, take a swing at a, a different, and that, that was huge. That it was huge though, to get away from Spokane, get everything we've ever known. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. And what a different life. And then you both started doing things that you love. Cause I know she writes books down probably. And I think from my recollection of social media stalking, I think it started like when you guys were in Nashville, didn't it? It did. Morgan's well, she started, Writing, I think she's because like we would we would never read Harry Potter books, right? Mm, um, we weren't allowed. No, no, nothing <laughs> like that. And my wife, I, she lives half of her life in a fantasy world of awesome things, like if she can, and she should. And so like that's where she writes now. But at the time, it was like I'm going to start reading these books. And it was, I think it was oh eight oh nine, mm -hmm. and. And she fell in love with it and started writing her first book, uh, which became Silent Orchids, her first novel. And I mean, she wrote that for, it took her like two years. Um, but yeah, that was the catalyst. And that's when I started taking music actually seriously um, to whatever degree I could. And um, yeah, big, 
Did you do studio shift. stuff? And I did a lot of songwriting in Nashville. Um, I kind of wanted to do the songwriter thing, and which is, you know, it's a rough gig. It's kind of like being a screenwriter for film. It's it's fun, but it's like winning the lottery if it's going to work. Yeah. Um, and and I played. I wanted to be a touring artist and and do. I thought I could make it in country because um, I like country music. I like all music though. I like rock. I like everything. And, and I'd always done rock stuff. And then I uh, went there long story, but it, I could have probably done a lot better than I did, but I looked at the whole environment over the time. And I thought, if I do this, I will end up divorced and might mm. not even succeed at what I want to do because this whole environment is late nights playing music with drunk people and, you know, hot chicks and people making bad decisions. And, and that's, you know, and drugs and whatever drinking. And I was drinking a lot and I was like, this isn't going to go good. I just remember thinking, even if I win, I'm not sure I'll be winning. Um, mm, and so really mature choice to make. Yeah. It seems like it now. And, uh, I'm glad I made it. Yeah, so. that's interesting. Like, even if you win, you wouldn't be winning. And I think, like, with stand-up comedy for me, like, we did yeah. it for 10 years, I would say straight. 10 years of just, like, straight stand-up so cool. constantly. And then the last few years, we haven't done it as much. It was, like, literally year 10 is when I was like, I think I'm going to take a break <laughs> for a little bit. Um, <laughs> that's huge. What year did you start? 2000 and. Nah. No, 2010, I moved to Wilmington, North Carolina in 2009, and I started doing it there at like, like sometime in the next seven, eight months. So yeah, 2010. And then 2020 was kind of like my last, early 2020 was like my last show. Um, so that was 10 years exactly until recently. And I've done a few, and we have one coming up, um, our individual sets. But yeah, we... It, 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 it came to a point, like, first of all, I don't think I would have even lasted 10 years if I was doing it by myself because both my husband and I were doing it together. Not only could we travel together, which made touring and stand up so much easier. I have a lot of friends that tour and they'd be doing the same casino runs that we would do, but they'd be by themselves. Yeah. Um, and it seemed like really sad existence being, or another buddy, but they were always away from their family and their kids. So I think that one reason why I lasted as long as we did touring like that is because we had each other because we were like best friends. We could travel together, but then we also performed together on stage. So we were creatively working together. Um, nice. Sometimes would go great and sometimes would not go so well. There's nothing like fighting and then going on stage together <laughs> to make for a really awkward and uncomfortable show for everyone. <laughs> you all get to have an awkward show but like <laughs> i yeah i think that it, it, there came a point like i think in new york or something um when we were doing stand up there that i came to the realization that if i wanted to really be successful and do i'd have to do it every night and i had like wanted a life outside of that like, I didn't want to do stand-up every night. Like, first of all, yeah. I think when you do that, sometimes you have nothing to do comedy about because your comedy is then just about doing comedy. But, like, I wanted to just live, like, a life. And, you know, I have stepchildren yeah. and now grandchildren. And it's like you realize what's really important. And to me, being famous was a thing that I wanted to be for a long time. 
And now it just sounds like the worst thing that anyone could ever do. And maybe I've come to that conclusion because I'm not going to be famous, but I really honestly think it sounds horrifying uh, to be famous. <laughs> like it's it, when did you just out of curiosity, uh, when did you have this, this, was it a moment of like, man, if I get famous, this is going to suck. When did that happen? Just curious. I think just seeing, I don't remember if it was like a moment, but it was like just seeing what people whose famous lives end up looking like and how yeah. sad it is and how lonely of a life it is, I think kind of made me come to that conclusion. And then success in stand-up to me looked different then. In stand-up, success was no longer, I want to be famous and be traveling and be like, you know, Jerry Seinfeld. But success would have been writing for a show or uh, being able to just, which we were able to for a long time, sustain ourselves just doing stand-up. When we, we did that for a few years and when we moved to New York the first time, because we lived in New York twice, um, it became apparent that we needed to like go back into our business skills <laughs> to like actually afford rent um, if we want because you don't get paid to do stand up in New York or you get paid very little. So it was like, gotcha. if we want to do stand up there and try to get better at stand up, which you really need to do it there to get really good. I think personally, if I was to tell anyone where to go to get really good at stand up, it would be New York city. Um, we had to delve into business again. So that's what I did for like okay. several years, which was great. Cause I did it remotely for most, for the most part, we would do events all over the world, but like for the most part I was remote. And so, um, I kind of fell in love with that lifestyle, like working remote, being able to be creative when I wanted to, but it wasn't like, if we don't produce a show that is sold out, we're not going to be able to pay rent. I like not having that pressure anymore. Um, or yeah. not like if I remember there was times like if we didn't book a certain amount of dates that we wouldn't be able to pay for like our car or gas or whatever. Like I love like not having that feeling anymore. That was really good. Um, wow. And it made, stand up more fun, I think, for a while. Yeah. And then I was just kind of burnt out by it. Now I'm excited about it again and wanting to do more of it. But I don't know what that looks like. Like if I'll ever keep trying, like like I want to do a show, I think we've talked about before, like doing a show based on our cult life. And I feel like the best way to do that would probably actually be doing stand up every night in LA getting to a place where I could perform at the comedy store and stuff and doing my material about being in a cult and doing more and more of it. And then that would probably be the way to like legitimately like make and sell and be able to place to pitch to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but that just sounds exhausting too. <laughs> like <laughs> sounds so exhausting. <sighs> like I just want to get up there and have fun. I don't want to have to, I want someone else to like, do all the hard parts of like booking it and producing those shows. But um, yeah, it's definitely a mental outlet. Like I'm sure music is for you. Like it's fun when you don't have to do it anymore to make a living, when you can do it to enjoy it as an art form, which is why you fell in yeah. love with it to begin with. Yeah. It's kind of like being a kid again. And, and, and it's, 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 it's dumping the you know, you always kind of like the idea of fame, but for a few years now, same thing. I'm like, I don't think I want to be famous, but I would really like to cash checks doing some of this stuff, <laughs> but, yeah. but having fun, having the fun 
of even this show, doing this conversation with you, I've thought to myself, this has to be fun. If it's not fun, it's this is a waste. Um, and I'm trying to approach everything from that state of joy and balance. Like, I do real estate stuff still. I renovate houses. And you know what? As long as it's in balance, I really love it. It's fun. I'm wearing this jacket I'm wearing because I got it out of a house I bought that had like 10 of these jackets, all different kinds of sport coats from some dead guy. And <laughs> that's morbid and fun. Um, and so I'm, you know, I, I think it's, and I honestly think I might get the best results I'll ever get from anything I've ever done in a creative sense or otherwise, even in real estate, because I'm approaching it from an aspect of fun. What do you think of that for like your comedy? Cause you have a business, you guys have flying W studios and, mm -hmm. and, and you guys are very entrepreneurial in your, in, in your wide set, set of ways. Um, how does that resonate with you or does it, does it? No, it totally does. Like for what we do in our business world now, what we do is, yeah, we have a company and we make ads. And for, at this point, it used to be mostly like YouTube and connected TV, which connected TV is like Hulu and things like that. Um, those types of ads. L lately, I'd say the last year and a half, it's more like producing ads that you would see on Meta or Instagram and Facebook that mm -hmm. feel like very, it's called the user generated content feeling. It feels like it's made by someone with an iPhone that's like, oh, I want to tell you about these awesome headphones that I found or whatever. But in reality, for all of you watching, those are usually made. <laughs> those are very few. Sometimes they're influencers that get paid to do it and sometimes they're right. uh, whatever. But so we produce those and different types of ads that you would see. Sometimes they're like that. Sometimes they're different. Um, like types of ads, but one thing that I found, especially when we're doing them and they're supposed to be somewhat funny, or even if they're not, that if you, I would say this for everything that we've ever made, even like we did some pretty big ads that were like almost short film length for the long form YouTube ads. And we've done some ads that have been on TV and stuff. And I think that fun is an important aspect for it to be good, especially if it's funny. I can't even tell you how many things that we've made or done in life in general, whether it be short films or whatever, that you're making it and it's a comedy, but you're having the worst time ever doing it. Mm. Usually that, even if that's super behind the scenes, that there's a ripple to it and it makes it less fun and funny. But like when you're having fun making something, it somehow leaks through and it usually is a lot funnier. It's a lot better. So I think fun is important. Sorry, I forget. I'm going to be on video and I just started like scratching my face like crazy. So be a good cut to <laughs> just you moment right there. Um, your reaction shot, uh, take up the whole thing with that. Uh, I'm like just digging in my eyes. Uh, that's great. There's been a few moments where I'm like, I'm going to be, I'm actually being on video. I was actually, we interviewed somebody for our podcast once when we had our podcast and uh, it is someone who's a little bit more famous uh you would recognize yeah. them and um especially because you're my age they're an actor yeah. that's kind of from our age range and i had forgotten to tell them 
that it was video too and that we were going to put it on YouTube <laughs> and they were not super stoked when we were halfway through <laughs> oh, and they realized no. that and we put it up and they like they were not prepared for like their public face and there was oh, even some shoot. comments like this person has let themselves go like on YouTube and I felt so bad and I think I took it down oh. from YouTube even though it was like the most famous person we'd ever had on because I felt so bad that's um, awful. Yeah, but Shoot. I was prepared. I knew I have no excuse for doing what I'm doing. And <laughs> hey, they were, we're a highly, enter- highly entertaining and generous person to do it. So I felt really bad. <laughs> I figured we're an hour and 10 into this. If anyone's still here, then they know us well enough. You can We can scratch our faces all we want. Okay, but, fair enough. Um, keeping it real. Keeping it real. Absolutely. This is real. Well, here's a question for you, because I would I would love to talk more about comedy. Would you be willing to come back and do another chat where we could kind of just dive into that world? I love that stuff. Um, I've been doing screenwriting for a while. You've read some of my stuff. Um, Very funny. And uh, I think it would be fun to talk in a focused manner that direction. Um, and uh, if you'd be up for that, I'd love it. Let's do it. I'm Sweet. up. I'm up for Sweet. it. Yep. And then are you coming this up to Spokane our... anytime soon? We could do I a live in studio. Oh, that would be awesome. I want to. You okay. know what we should do? So you're interviewing me. You're interviewing my husband, Doug. We should yep. do the live in studio, both of us. And then that, that should, and then we can do that one. Just like all comedy. That would be really That'd be fun. great. I love it. We'll do it. Yeah. I need to get up there for sure. Yeah. It's been too yeah. long. Well, Teresa Wyckoff, cool. thank you for this lovely and engaging conversation. Uh, the whole world now knows much more about us than they probably ever wanted to, but I think it was good. You know, keep it culty. So, um, that's what I'm saying. Keep it culty. Those cult God shows knows. do really well on HBO, uh, <laughs> the cult docu series. So I bet. Um, well, they keep coming. Humanity loves them. <laughs> Humanity loves the cults. There's some good ones. <laughs> There's a good, there's a good docuseries on a creepy, creepy, creepy cult and uh, on HBO that just dropped mother God or something. Oh, it's horrible. It's awesome. There's a dead body at the beginning. It's worth it just for that. That makes our cult experience look like nothing. It was really pretty uh, grade school compared to that. I would say. Yeah. There were, we didn't get to see any dead bodies. Not, I didn't, I don't know. Maybe you did, but I didn't see that. But thanks so much for having me. This has been super fun. A good way to uh, start my Saturday. (laughs) Outstanding. All right. Have a great day. Thank you. All right. Talk to you later. 